Yeah. Yeah. Draft day. Johnny Manziel. Five years later, how am I the man still? Draft day. A Wiggins. That other side, we stay winning. Oh man, you know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. Yeah. Suits and ties yelling out, pay the guys, man, I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. You know I had to do it for you. Oh man, oh man, oh man, man, you know I had. Welcome back to the Racial Draft Podcast. I am your host, Michael Ford, joined this week by a very special guest in Julia Delbell. Julia, how's it going? Good day. Well, we're just going to jump right into it. We had some big news over the past week. That news had to do with the unveiling of uh, the plan, the gun plan, whatever you want to call it, the gun saffron, D.C. uh, They don't have a slogan, right? They're just D.C. D.C.U. uh, Starting fresh, starting new. It's the new D.C. slate in the new. It seems to be a soft reboot universe. Right. It's like they can't say that everything that's happening in 2023 doesn't count, but they're basically (laughs) when it came out and said, "Okay, the Flash basically resets everything. It's this really big movie. It's going to reset everything. I'm guessing that the movies that come after can still work. The new universe. So we got Blue Beetle and we got Aquaman. Right. And then we got nothing next year unless Peacemaker season two is next year. Is that the case? Well, I think they said no. I think they said they pushed back Peacemaker season two. We'll, We'll get right into it. Um, the. Well, what what I my understanding is that the first thing that's coming out of the slate is the first thing that they, um, you know, that they're already they, they are, was that they announced it and then they're already working on it. And that's that animated series, Creature Commandos. Um, obviously, I like many of us don't have a lot of familiarity with these characters or this property, um, but you know, if you're a fan of the Suicide Squad. And if you're a fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy, you know that James Gunn can throw together a motley crew of madcap characters. Um, the fact that this is animated and, you know, DC does have experience with adult animation with the Harley Quinn show. Uh, you know, my I, my 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 thoughts around this is, is that it's, um, you know, there's a starting on a on a weird foot, you know, so to speak. Uh, did you have any, you know, bigger thoughts about this Creature Commandos thing? No, because I don't really know what it is. Yeah, I mean, for the benefit of the listeners, I mean, I'll I'll go ahead and read the log line. Uh, It is a, let's see, they're... The, the most important thing is that the the group is uh, Rick Flag Sr. So that's the dad of the Rick Flag that you, uh, you know, spoiler alert, uh, didn't make it out of the Suicide Squad. Uh, there's uh, Nina Mazursky, who kind of looks like a, uh, a Shape of Water style uh, sea creature. There's Dr. Phosphorus, who's a Batman villain, who's basically a uh, smoky skeleton. Uh, there's Frankenstein monster, a.k.a. Eric Frankenstein. There's the Bride of Frankenstein. So maybe they're, uh, is there a will they, won't they? Or maybe they're divorced. Uh, and then there's... Even being divorced in this kind of thing, I feel like that's the kind of weird thing James Dunn would do. Yeah, I totally, I agree. Um, and, you know, there's a character named G.I. Robot, who's probably going to be their Groot, um, if I had to guess. And uh, then there's Weasel, who is who you might also remember from the Suicide Squad. Oh, he's so we are getting, by... I didn't know Weasel was in it, okay. Um, yeah, and he's going to be played by uh, Sean Gunn, who's uh, James Gunn's brother. Yeah, he was Weasel in the other one, wasn't he? He's already. Yeah. yeah. 
And and remember, he, he you know, spoilers for that movie, uh, he's presumed dead, but he actually lived. And that's what yep. leads me to believe that uh, this is going to kind of tie into that Suicide Squad continuity, that this will end up being like another of the task forces, uh, the ultra secret uh, throw together groups of people to go on missions uh, team. Uh, it is a kind of weird because it's Rick Flagg Sr. You might think that this would be set in the past because my understanding about this team um, in its inception originally was uh, were Nazi fighters. So they were, um, you know, period fighters um, from the 40s and, and such. But my understanding is this is set in the present day. And that leads us lead me to believe that there's some sort of super soldier serum de-aging thing happening with Rick Flagg Sr., um, which allows him to be spry uh, into probably 100 years old at this point. <laughs> um, but um, again, we don't know a lot about the, pro the project. My guess is that it's a... Uh, the pitch was a suicide squad with monsters and um and you know he just gave uh james gunn as much flexibility to do whatever he wanted yeah. uh the next project, which is also a TV project, uh, this one I'm a lot more intrigued about because I think it's going to be the spiritual uh, successor to Peacemaker before we get our Peacemaker season two. Um, I've said for a long time that this character should be a fulcrum character for the DCU, uh, whatever they decide to do. Uh, that's Amanda Waller, and the show is called Waller. Um yeah. As I was kind of brainstorming what I think the show might be, I think an interesting framing device for the show could be kind of like Waller on trial, whether it's like a criminal trial or congressional hearings and, you know, using the threat of her being prosecuted to uh, cover all of the like different bases of where the character has been and where the character could go in the future, um, you know, both filling in the the blanks of what this new continuity entails um you know this is a character that has a ton of um you know sort of fingers in every pot so to speak um you know she's she she interplays with heroes she interplays with villains she's got government she's got conspiracy she's got plans within plans and um you know allowing them to kind of use her as a touchstone and show all the different interactions and intersections that she could provide would be an interesting um you know premise for the show and an interesting uh structure for the series uh on a scale of one to ten where would you put your excitement for the waller show well don't be asking me numbers because it's not <laughs> exciting because like i'll be honest Mm -hmm. So because we don't know much about this stuff. And so, so far, obviously, none of, like, my favorite characters are confirmed to be showing up in anything. Okay. Like, I'm not going to be anywhere near 10 out of 10 for anything. However, I would probably put this as my most excited project kind of by default because mm -hmm. it has the most chance of having people I like show up in it. <laughs> and I'm sure I want to see new characters, too, because I was hoping for right. some characters to come up in DC and on the screen yet, on, like, the, mm -hmm. in, the, in the live action format, I guess, because they have been in anime to show up in some of this stuff and I didn't see them announced so I was like okay and it's frustrating because they were announced for other stuff and their projects were canceled some of them so that would suck so yeah yeah I was hoping they would like come in these days maybe they will but yeah um out of all the projects this is probably the one I'm most excited for because it connects to stuff I already like and I know that's not like fair but that's kind no, of I get it though because like I'm not like I don't know if you saw my tweets and I also posted on reddit when this dropped i'm like like it's it's interesting and intriguing especially like the manner in which they're doing it 
like they're having a writer's room for all of it and mm-hmm. the same writers at least being involved we don't know to what extent and now this could be a good thing or a bad thing but like i'm interested to see how it goes in terms of like help with continuity and stuff and all that right. and i think that's going to be really cool but like the products themselves nothing was like oh my god or like i wasn't like shocked by anything i was like waiting to be like hmm. i don't know i was expecting to announce like detective chimp or something like crazy <laughs> like that you can be like what and i do but like that's... detective comics i've read it but like i was waiting for something like that for, from james gunn and like i mean i guess there was some out there stuff but, like i was there was nothing like wildly insane i guess like mm-hmm. i was waiting for the wildly insane thing and then that didn't happen and then i don't know it's just like this slate doesn't seem like it was a made to appeal to me and of course it wasn't because it wasn't a made to appeal to me. <laughs> but like you know sometimes there's some things that like something comes out it's like oh this feels like it appeals, appeals to me okay um, the paper and then it does and then it turns out it doesn't and then something i don't but then also something i think that doesn't unpeel me specifically on paper or i'm interested in it but it doesn't seem like 100 percent geared towards me or anything in particular and then it does so maybe this will be yeah. another thing but like so right here, now I'm, yeah okay so here's, like, okay so here's what i want to try it's given that we're sort of starting off on you know because I, I i have my misgivings you know uh surprisingly um but but i think that what i've chosen to do is kind of imagine the scenario that i would that would i would be most excited um you know the spin on this project that would make me the most excited and look we have a surprise guest stuff lately and then they gotten let down um princess and the frog splash mountain with no friends on the other side is the most (laughs) recent example of this um but yeah because like i was excited for that and then i'm like Oh, they're just doing like, what is this story? So yeah, that's we just have, an example different, but I'm just thinking that's one like I don't want to think about too much of the best case scenario because I don't want to get too excited and then get let down. And I tend to kind of do that with some things. And I already have trouble doing that with others, not doing that with other stuff. So I'm really gonna try her not to maybe do that. But I come I'll throw out ideas on here. Okay. So, so we're we're joined by one of the agents of fandom, one of the founding oh. members of the agents of fandom. That's TJ Zwarik. TJ, we are <laughs> just into the beginnings of our discussion about the DC slate. Uh we we only talked uh so far about creature commandos. So quickly, uh where are you on the, the, on the hype right meter? Now. Where are you in the hype meter for creature commandos on a scale of one to ten? I know next to nothing about the creature commandos. And so while it regularly would be very low, however, I'm looking at kind of James Gunn's track record at the Guardians of the Galaxy, the Suicide Squad, groups that I would have had no hype for before these projects mm-hmm. came out either. Um, and then getting introduced to these wonderful characters, all of a sudden I was heavily invested from the get-go. So I have so much cautious optimism for this entire slate, just based on what we've seen from DC's past that with creature commando specifically, I don't know anything. So I I can't get that excited, Mm -hmm. but I'm just, I'm still going to be watching week to week based on um, I know what James Gunn can do in in terms of making me care about characters that I have never seen before. Okay. Point because I'm, um, I remember over 10 years ago now, I was just like starting to watch like superhero stuff and I'd seen like the Avengers and other Marvel stuff. I'm like, okay, what's next? And then they announced like Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff at Comic-Con. I'm like, okay, well, I'm actually excited for that one because I don't have any, I feel like I'm behind with everyone else on this stuff mm-hmm. and I'm not like, in it. But now I, it's like an open door for me to come in and just kind of be on the same page as everyone else. So I kind of was reminded of that feeling. But it makes it a good point that like, I think like something like this might be well-received or well-received and like, we have, basically we have to deal with less haters not right. that things with haters aren't well received, 
but like because like there's so let there's less like expectations and things like superman's gonna get picked apart by someone no matter what right. and i'm not looking forward to that um picking apart no, that doesn't affect my feelings on the project it's just they i know i'm not looking for that mm-hmm. aspect of but I'm looking forward to getting to know a new group with kind of everyone else. I, I mean, I'm sure there's other there's fans of Creature Commandos. Shout out to you, good for you. But I'm just I'm, saying. Listen, I'm sure that it, I'm sure that the intersection of fans of Creature Commandos and the fans of this podcast are nil. So okay. I am perfectly You're a fan, okay let us know, with Eerie. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think that's that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's just I'm looking forward to like new stuff that no one knows, just so we can like. Right, get a, fr- it's get kind a of fresh. fresh and that's why I'm glad I feel I figured James Gunn was gonna pick some stuff like that, and he did. And I'm like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. why, because you know, yeah. yeah. And you gotta like start fresh, make a new thing, because like people already had like their feelings. Like, remember the Suicide Squad, right? Now, granted, that did come out during the pandemic, so that's part of it. But a lot of it is the, there was the Suicide Squad 2016 it came out, and then like mm-hmm. people weren't as into it, and then so they hear another Suicide Squad that already is gonna turn them off because it was so hated. Right. And even though this Suicide Squad was well received by those who saw it, the new one, the 2021 one, it's because it already has that reputation and expectation. Right. And that's just one thing. Um, and then, like, of course, stuff like you got Batman, you got Superman, and that already has expectations and whatever, like I already said. So, yeah. Um, that's what I mean. <laughs> so, TJ, so we were just talking about Waller. And um, again, where were you in the, as far as uh, one to 10 hype for Waller? See, I think this one is probably about an eight for me. I'm very excited for Waller because this is, I mean, and this actually, the rumors with this one get me more excited for Creature Commandos as well. The fact that Waller might be assembling that team. These these two uh, projects might be interacting with each other somewhere. And then the fact that this is also probably going to be like a Peacemaker season 1.5 with appearances Mm -hmm. from those characters. That gets me very excited because this to me is kind of, secret invasion-esque that i have no idea what the heck could be coming from the plot and that Mm -hmm. gets me very excited because waller after peacemaker is exposed and her daughter uh kind of turned on her Mm -hmm. and then obviously we don't know where things after the flash are going to lead us so i'm very intrigued about the plot prospects of this show and also the cool cameos that we could get yeah, like I think of this in in a lot of ways, um, the promise of Agents of Shield back in the it's all connected days, uh, this idea that this is how you fill in the blanks of what your universe is. This is how you figure out where what happens between the movies uh, matters. We saw that to a certain extent in Peacemaker, but it was still about one character. Uh, the fact that Amanda Waller is such a cipher, the fact that she is, you know, you're not really going to do a deep dive on her psyche, I don't think. Um, but you are going to get a sense of just how deep the rabbit hole goes. And in that, you know, given that we, we know that they're doing that soft reboot after the flash and some things in the universe are going to be different than what we remember it to be this is a this would be a cool way of of monitoring that a cool way of of having her um uh her surveillance uh apparatus uh point out the different aspects of the universe as kind of an overview and um and again yeah i i I personally i think she's gonna find a way to come out on top at the end of the show so i'm not that uh staked in it from a plot perspective like how is amanda waller gonna get out of this one i mean I, i'm sure i'm sure she's gonna do fine oh sorry julia uh what well, are your thoughts talking about 
how these were you saying these shows and they're going to be on HBO Max, right? Or whatever it's going to be called now, Max. Whatever. Yeah, probably. So these shows are going to fill in the blanks from the movie. That's what you were saying. I th- I mean I think Waller has a very yeah. strong potential to okay. do that. So I feel like because I feel like we've had this discussion with Marvel's Disney Plus shows, and then they sort of have done it and sort of have it, and then like it's been sort of a whole debate of like how much have they done that. I hope DC is watching, and then they're going to learn from it. Like I'm hoping Marvel is learning themselves too and like dc knows how to do it because i don't want another situation i don't want a situation mm-hmm. in dc where it's like wandavision and then suddenly it's like okay well we showed a little bit of reading this book at the end of wandavision mm-hmm. now she's like, don't want that again but i do think like, but like you Marvel- mentioned the fact that they have that writer's room that overarching yeah. writer's again, room again i like for example i think it's gonna be better like ms marvel going into marvels for marvel this year i think mm-hmm. that's gonna be a lot more of like behind the scenes going doing a good job providing backstory that you might not need in the movie but like it's good to have it enriches the experience and i think it could be the same for these dc right exactly um and you know what why that's important is that things are going to start getting muddied once we start getting into these next projects these movie projects so we might as well talk about the uh the 800 pound gorilla so to speak and that is mr cal l mr clark kent mr being recast with a 25 year old question mark uh and that's the project that's oddly named superman legacy uh the reason i say oddly named is that typically when a movie has a legacy sub title uh it usually deals with a continuation of a story and the fact that this is supposed to be a uh starting point for the superman story does kind of raise questions um i'll let you guys give your impressions of what you think the project might be and then i'll kind of fall back and give my impression uh after that <laughs> uh, i'll start with you tj what excites me about this is just how passionate James Gunn seems to be about the character of Superman. He talks about all these different stories where he'd be skipping school and very unfond of his life at the time as a child and would escape into comic books and found common shared ground with his dad starting to get into these comics with him And that really interested me in terms of the concept of legacy, because to me, this is already going to be building, even though it's a young Superman, into the ideals of who he is and who Clark Kent is. And a very Superman and Lois style beginning, even though this is a young Clark. I think we're already going to get a pretty established Lois with him knowing each other. I think we could get potential teases for future John Kent here really early as well Um, because just with them starting this reboot with us already having Damian Wayne and Batman Brave and the Bold which obviously we'll touch on more in a bit (laughs) Super Sons you know like get get me some Damian get me some John Kent together get me Nightwing and John Kent interacting with each other and I think that could potentially play into the legacy role Mm -hmm. Um, and I just am excited to get a hopeful, a truthful, a optimistic Superman that is, that's his toughest thing to overcome against his enemies. You know, this is one of the most overpowered, super crazy, strong uh, beings in in fiction. But he's not going to kill his enemies no matter what. He's not going to compromise his ideals similar to what we've seen from kind of a captain america in the marvel movies and i'm very excited to get that style of superman here right what about you julia pass 
<laughs> okay. I All truly right. don't know. I don't know much about Superman. I've seen like one or two Superman things. I don't really I don't feel an attachment at all to that character, really. Oh. So, so you're the so you're the skeptical audience that has to be won over by this. By this take on Superman. Kind of, I mean, like it's not okay. I mean, I see it. like I imagine I'm gonna see it. It's just, you know, I don't feel any type of way. So it's like I'm kind of open. I'm probably more open than most people, I would say. Okay. So I mean, I I I I sort of echo what where TJ is there, but I think that they're I think that they're kind of um I don't I don't mean to say deceiving us, uh, but I do think that the idea of them casting a young Superman, uh, you know, 20, sorry, a young actor. I think it's important to note that, uh, you know, just because they're casting someone in their mid 20s to play Superman, um, that offers them a lot of flexibility in terms of the actor sticking around for 10 years. Um, and I think that we have to acknowledge that this movie is going to happen and then it might be another uh, five years before there's another Superman movie. So he could show up in other things. He could uh, tie in, like you said, the Super Sons or Supergirl or or any of the other, uh, you know, superhero projects. And I think that while we are going to get the the, the classic retelling of the Superman story, I don't think that's where the story is going to stop. I don't think it's going to be basically Superman year one. I think it, I, I can see it being, you know, jump uh, a series of time jumps, uh, taking us to the present day and taking us to the way that Superman continues to become a bigger and bigger deal in the universe and where, and where it ends. I could, I, I, you know, again, maybe this is just hope on my part, but I could see the movie ending with a baby Jonathan Kent. You know, I can see the movie ending with, you know, he, it, it starts with baby, it starts with baby uh, Cal-El and ends with baby Jonathan, you know, and that being the arc of the movie, the legacy aspect of it, that, you know, the hopes of, the hopes of, of a, of a planet uh, being in this one child and then where it ends is that you know now the hopes of two planets are in this other child you know and it being a very generational story it tying into what you were saying tj about the fathers and sons aspect about the way that the hope of the inspiration um kind of is is a universal thing is a timeless thing and you know i could see that being where the legacy uh, subtitle plays uh, plays a part. Do you have any villain ideas for the movie and any casting ideas for Superman? Um, so I think that I think that 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 Lex has to be there. I don't know that he has to be the uh, main um, physical threat. Um, I think that I think that it would be smart to introduce him in tandem with either. Um, someone like Brainiac or someone like, um, you know, Metallo. Um, but Metallo does seem kind of lower level as far as villains go. I mean, he, he can have a couple couple bad. I could see Metallo being like one of the first um, villains that he takes on. And then, um, you know, in the third act, the, 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 the big bad uh, that Lex kind of brings to earth being Brainiac. Um, and that, you know, because that's a threat that's from Krypton, uh, you know, in some telling of the story, 
as it were. Um, and because, you know, he has the whole bottle city aspect to him and, you know, it's a leveling up of a villain and to have that leveling up happen in one movie with Lex kind of pulling the strings seems like a better way of, of setting up uh, the foundation of the mythos without using up all of your, um, using up all of your conflict at once. Same page exactly. I think you introduced Lex. Brainiac is my first choice for a villain as well. Another idea that I had that kind of got kiboshed when James Gunn said that they're not going to dual cast any actors as characters was I thought it'd be super cool to do a Jason Momoa Lobo versus oh. Superman movie. Like, oh, for sure. Don't you don't even need Lobo to have his own movie. Just have him be the villain of a Superman movie, I think would be yeah. super cool. But the thing um, about Logo, the thing about Lobo as a villain, he I think he functions better as kind of an antagonist as like, a, you know, not the villain, but as, you know, in that in that gray area where like they fight, but he's not going to be the the one you defeat in order to um and the movie um and i I could see that i could see them saving that for for a second movie um you know because lobo's so popular (laughs) they want to go young i don't think they want to go with somebody super duper popular my choice for superman is kind of like an out of the blue random one i don't even know if i've seen Mm -hmm. necessarily the full acting chops from him but i just think he has the look and it's mm-hmm. Antonio Cipriano from National Treasure. Um, I don't even remember his character's name, but he plays uh, like the the boyfriend of, in love with the shoes. Um, mm-hmm. That guy, and I think I think his look would make uh, for a pretty good Superman. Well, I would be remiss. I mean, this is after all the racial draft podcast. I think it would be kind of cool if they, uh, you know, they did a, a a little race bend tweak. Uh, you know, if they if they found someone who was maybe a, a Latino or um, you know someone multiracial that was still kind of still has the look of Superman, but you know maybe can bring another kind of um, ethnic representation to the table. He's, that would be, you know, he's maybe too old. But I even think he, but I think he would be so good if he wasn't too old because he's 36 years old. But Henry Golding, I think, would be a pretty fun. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, twist on a, on a, on a Superman. Uh, yeah. I mean, we, we, we've definitely talked. Golding in one of these things. In the right yeah. role, but. Yeah, I do hope I get agree. Henry Golding in there somewhere. I mean, he, and he, and you know, if you've seen Crazy Rich Asians, like he's such a charming dude that like he totally could have pulled off uh, Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but um, I mean, I, I, I don't know a lot of the the twenty the twenty ish actors, so I'll like leave it to you guys, um, and I'll you know once we get once we get the rumored castings, I'll try to like look at what they've been in and get a sense of whether they've they've got the chops but uh i'm you know i i'm cautiously optimistic because like you said julia people are going to have their knives out for this they're just going to this is the character that gets picked over maybe even more than than any other dc character um you know he's been around for almost 100 years and for that reason there's different um aspects of the character that people feel are are essential and, um, you know, there was the, our, ch- you know, a lot of people's childhoods, you know, were, were shaped around the Christopher Reeves, Christopher Reeves performance. And, um, you know, and I think that that's Christopher Reeve 
apostrophe X performance, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, and I think that uh, a lot, I think it's hard for contemporary actors to live up to that, but uh, you know, fingers crossed that this is, this is when they finally do it. And, um, you know, I'm choosing to believe that the legacy uh, the legacy uh, subtitle ties into the possibility uh, that we might get Super Sons. Uh, more on that later. Um, the next project, if we want to talk about potential backlash, this is one where, uh, you know, I'll, I'll sort of speak first about this because, um, you know, I have strong thoughts about how this could be a very, very good to great project but still leave people disappointed and dissatisfied. And this is uh, the Lanterns project. Uh, you know, pointedly, it's not being called Green Lantern or Green Lantern Corps. Um, you know, if a lot of people aren't heavily into the lore of uh, Green Lanterns, um, you know, there's, there's different uh, aspects that have been focused on in the tellings of the Green Lantern stories over the years. Obviously, in the one uh, primary and the secondary, um, 1A, if you will, there are the big two of Hal and Jon Stewart. They're going to be two leads of this show, and it's been pitched as kind of a noir true detective style story. And, you know, given that the Green Lanterns have been uh, spoken about as sort of space cops, I think that on paper, this sounds like an interesting idea and an interesting way to roll out the Green Lantern lore and introduce us to the power of the Green Lantern ring specifically for that uh, policing, specifically for investigation, specifically for kind of like a CSI um technological breaking down crime scenes you can learn a little bit about the personalities involved the differences between how jordan and john stewart and how they the different ways they see the world where they come from uh, personality i think it has the potential to really go deep into the characters and and give us uh the the less comic book involved um you know uh bite-sized uh, introductions to what what it means to be a Green Lantern and what this power represents. Um, and I think in that sense, I think it could be excellent. But unfortunately, you're dealing with one of the most comic booky of powers, that being the ability to, to generate constructs. You're also dealing with one of the most cosmic of uh, characters and that you know, space plays a a major role. They're patrolling all and there's all these different galaxies and there's all these different alien species and there's all these different ways that it can kind of uh, be blown out in in a, in a major uh, comic booky way. And you know, everything that we're being told about this is that this is a story that is going to be based uh, primarily on Earth. And you know, for that reason, I think that the existing Green Lantern fan base. Uh, could potentially be very dissatisfied with with kind of how it plays out. Um, I'll leave it there in terms of like, you know, my excitement level for it is fairly high, but my excitement for the discourse is uh, fairly low. <laughs> so uh, uh, do you have any further thoughts about the sort of dichotomy between the product and the discourse, Julia? No, I agree with you on this. I don't, um, I've like read one comic Lantern and it was like a Hal Jordan origin one so very basic I haven't seen the movie either with Ryan Reynolds I kind of want to just to see it I don't know because I haven't heard, like whenever I hear really bad things at a comic project like it, it, 
everyone's like, well, you've seen right, Iranian project like this, like the Star Wars prequels I didn't watch till like a couple of years ago, for example. And they're like, have you? And like, I don't know, but it's like, they're like, you got to see it, but it's not good. I'm like, why do I want to see it? But anyway, um, yeah, I don't really have strong feelings on this. I'm curious, um, like the other projects. Um, I like that it's a show because I feel like with these shows, um, sometimes more in the movies, you can get certain things that I like in these projects that you can't necessarily do a ton of in movies, like more like mm -hmm. character development and stuff. And I like that. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. What about you, TJ? I'm excited, but I think Julia brought up a great point with the character development, and that's an aspect of this that I'm very excited about. I'm super pumped we're getting Jon Stewart, mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I'm excited about that aspect in a TV show. I do kind of wonder if this sort of earthbound story with the space cops, very cosmic powers, if it's a little bit of a low-risk way of doing the Lanterns. Yep. And kind of what I mean by that is, one, from a budget standpoint, it's going to be mm -hmm. a heck of a lot cheaper to be on Earth than in space. Um, but two, if it doesn't go super duper well, one, it didn't cost as much money. And two, you can always go, well, they're in space for the next one. Right. Um, and it kind of provides that opportunity. So I'm excited about the character development we're going to get in this show. Um I'm not like necessarily skeptical about the style and what's been presented to us as much as I don't really know what they're going to do. And so I'm just uh, kind of intrigued without much to go on because it's such a different way of doing lanterns. Yeah. And, and, and that was one of the things that I wanted to sort of highlight that giving, you know, the, the power set, every every green lantern's ring is has the same ability but what brings what what brings the uh uniqueness to how the power is wielded are the personalities of the users so the more that we can learn about who Hal Jordan is and who John Stewart is the more that it becomes um beneficial in future stories to see what makes them different kinds of lanterns. And as, and as they introduce other lanterns into the lore and into the mythos, knowing that those basics of, of how tied in to the personality and the psyche of the user um, is going to sort of pay off down the line. So I, I look at this very much as kind of a, like a foundational uh, story and a giving us, giving new, um, viewers who are not so familiar with green lanterns uh the the level set that they need in order to strap in for future more wacky and more out there storytelling when it's time to get wacky down the road give me some razor i want somebody wheeled in a red ring and a blue ring at the same time i think that's so mm. cool yeah, I do think that there's, a. I mean, the fact that it's called Lanterns, um, I definitely think that we're going to be introduced to the yellow impurity. I think that the concept of the emotional, maybe not in season one, uh, the emotional spectrum and the different color lantern, lanterns um, will, will come into play in the, in the story. I think that, I think that that's all, it, that's, that's all there in terms of potential, but you can't give that to people, all of it right off the bat, it's just too much to swallow. And I think that this is going to be sort of the bite-sized, you know, wet the palate of of the and of of what the the whole lantern uh, situation can offer. So I'm 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 really looking forward to it. But like I said, the discourse not so much. 
speaking of the discourse, uh, we got We have to get into one of the. Is it controversial? I suppose it's controversial. Uh, these this is a these this is a group of characters that are um, they go about things a little differently. They are from the Wildstorm universe, which just the fact that they're adapting uh, one of the Wildstorm characters or a number of Wildstorm characters as part of this first phase of of DC storytelling is, is itself a, a bold move. Um, but at the same time. Uh, those of us who watch things like The Boys and Invincible, you know, we're a little bit familiar with what if Justice League but evil. Um, this is a little bit of a different spin on that, but not so much. Uh, and that's The Authority. Uh, I personally haven't read The Authority. I've read some of the sort of tangential uh, other stories around The Authority. I've read some of the solo stories around Midnighter and Apollo. Um, I'm looking forward to diving in deep and reading both the original um, run as well as the recent uh, Wildstorm reboot from a couple years ago. Um, I really want to see uh, which which of those incarnations kind of get most brought over in the ad adaptation, you know, because we are talking about two different decades and two different eras. Um, but I think that the it does raise questions. If this is supposedly the same universe in which there's a Superman, uh, this is this is not something that you find a lot in the canon, where the authority and Superman are existing in the same space. Um, some people have speculated that there was a story from a few years back called Superman versus the Elite, and that this could be kind of their spin on on that, with uh, Superman kind of heading to a collision course with the authority. And these are the two uh, films that are sort of the first uh, the first two in the slate. So, you know, if that's from from one end building to uh, a, a showdown uh, between Superman and the Authority, I think that could be very intriguing. Um, but like I said, I don't have a lot to say about the specifics of the Authority, you know, because just because I know bits and pieces from uh, what other people who have read it uh, have told me and what Wikipedia, uh, you know, can, can fill me in on. But uh, uh, do what about you, TJ? Do you have uh, more firsthand experience with reading the Authority? No, I'm in the same boat as you, and you really bring up the exact same kind of question that I wanted to about this group is, this is the Wildstream universe, and so where do they exist since they aren't an Elseworld project? Mm -hmm. If they're on the same Earth as Batman and Superman, that's definitely interesting considering these characters are some of the, like, with Midnighter, and I always blank on the Superman version. Apollo. Apollo, Midnighter and Apollo, like with them essentially being their universe's version of Superman and Batman. I'm very interested to see how mm -hmm. this kind of comes into play in the main universe, since this isn't an Elseworld project. Right. Um, maybe they're going to have their own planet. Maybe it's not going to be Earth, or maybe it's exactly like you said, leading into a showdown with uh, Superman. The biggest thing, that's kind of my biggest question, Mark. The biggest thing that I'm excited about is just the fact that this is going to be a big mainstream blockbuster movie about another random group of characters. Um, but this time we're going to get some awesome on-screen representation with Midnighter and Apollo mm -hmm. being a queer couple. That's going to be pretty cool to seeing some badass superheroes representing in that way. So I'm excited about that as well. Right. Uh, Julia, do you have a lot of experience with The Authority? 
No, none. <laughs> okay. Um, are there any things that you've read about the either the comic or the property that gives that gives you something that you might potentially be excited about in the future? I haven't read much about this one. Like, okay. I'll be honest. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's all right. Ones where it's like. Yeah, I'm looking forward to diving what into. Are you the... saying? I don't know. I. I'm looking forward to diving into the story, but I, I'm very curious about whether this is this is a situation where they're from another universe or if it's a situation where they're the they're what's there before the Justice League. Imagine imagine that idea that that this is this is the group that precedes the Justice League, that they're running the show and they're making sure that these threats um, don't become threats. And then all of a sudden, Superman is the usurper. You know, Superman is the is the upstart that's bringing a different approach to superheroics than what the authority has been doing. That could be a, a, a weird um, kind of meta spin, I suppose, on on the idea of, uh, you know, what was what a traditionally thought of as kind of old school versus new school, to have the new school be the, the, the one that's the status quo, and then to have the old school be the, be the, uh, the disruptor, so to speak. Um, and you know, I and think I that would be super fitting narratively too to kind of have the authoritarian, my way or the highway, a very extreme uh, way of getting rid of cr uh, criminals being the old way. Right. Um, and even though the the authority are superheroes, it's it's in their name, right? The authority, mm -hmm. um, and so kind of having the authoritarian regime be the status quo that superman batman and company lead their universe out of i think would be pretty cool yeah and then you know there's the amanda waller of it all maybe you know maybe she's got some part to play in uh either keeping the authority secret or you know helping them establish their authority over over things so i'm very curious about um about how this fits uh, as well as as just excitement over seeing this new group of, um, I mean, I wouldn't even know what list to put them on as as far as uh, mainstream knowledge, you know, all the way down at the bottom of the alphabet. Um, but the opportunity to 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 make these characters mainstream and uh, give you know James Gunn and company the opportunity to write another Motley crew of of superheroes, but this time at a very high high power scale. So very, yeah, I'm curious about this. I'm looking forward to it for sure. Another project that is an, another one of the HBO Max series. Uh, and this one, there are, I, I, I want to be cautiously optimistic about this and I'll sort of let you guys know why later, but I'd love to hear you guys' takes on it first. And that's a uh, Paradise Lost. Uh, it's been pitched as a Game of Thrones type story about the Mascara slash Paradise Island um, taking place uh, many years before uh, the birth of Wonder Woman. Um, and it just sort of t talks about the rise and fall of uh, rise, fall, rise again, all of the interworkings and the palace intrigue and politics of uh, them building that society of women. I could totally imagine it going through and retelling the origin of the Amazons. Um, and 
you know, we don't have a lot of details. We don't know who the main characters are going to be. Only that, um, you know, again, it takes place before Wonder Woman. Uh, Julia, what are your thoughts? So I think this is a good concept. Um, I do wonder if people will latch on to this a Wonder Woman thing without Wonder Woman. But then again, I also think this one has the potential to be like that Sunday night programming thing that like hooks a lot of people in and people who aren't into this kind of stuff necessarily mm-hmm. might be, that might be a good way to do it. Um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, the thing is, I don't really feel like I'm intrigued by the concept, but I don't feel an attachment to this one because we don't know who any of the characters are really going to be and like what they're going to be like. I haven't said anything about them. Mm-hmm. Unless there's someone in the comics who's obviously going to be that I don't know of, but like we don't know anything about it. So it's like, who are we supposed to care about right now? Like it's a concept, but not like, I don't know, because I feel like a lot of things, like, um, when they advertise just the concept and then they wonder why people don't show up for it. It's they yeah. Well, well one we thing that helps... I'm not saying they won't. I'm just saying that's why I'm not attached to this one yet. Well, one thing that helps is that, you know, with the magic of the Amazons, the Amazons are, are immortal. So even though they're telling a story of, you know, that could be hundreds or thousands of years in the past, these are still characters that could exist in the present day. Yeah, um, like we had, um, I know we have some Amazon, we had Antiopian, some of the other ones in Wonder Woman movies. Right. But like, you really get a ton of time with them to connect with them or anything yet, so I'm not like super attached to him, so. But this yeah. could be, this could be the yeah. opportunity to create yeah. so characters that we would get attached to. Yeah, that's what blocked me from being like hyped about this one, because I did like, like I really loved the first Wonder Woman movie, so of course I'm interested. It's just like, that's probably what's holding me back, I think. Mm. What? What about you, TJ? I think this is the one that has the kind of high lowest lowest floor, highest ceiling. And the reason mm-hmm. I say lowest floor is because it's a Wonder Woman story without Wonder Woman. And so you always just have that initial worry there. And mm-hmm. the second reason I say that is because he initially set the expectation bar so high with the game of thrones comparison right now you have your people who they're going to hear game of thrones and immediately go all right well i better get it (laughs) r-rated i better get my gore i better get my nudity because you said game of thrones man right um Yes, but then and if then, you look at, yeah, and if you yeah. and if you said that there was going to be a Game of Thrones all women uh, project, uh, we would have a certain set of expectations from. <laughs> from Do you know how women. many when there's not nudity in the first episode, how many like <laughs> incel YouTubers are just going to get on their page and just be like, <laughs> but anyways. That aside, the part of this I am excited about the prospects for is the political aspect. Are we going to see Amazons outside of just Themyscira? Are we going to see different tribes throughout the world? Are we going to see some retcons of some characters where maybe we are already, maybe Diana is not born yet in this universe, uh, but maybe we already have a Nubia. Maybe we already have a Yara floor through different parts of the world. And if they give us that, I am so, so, so in. Um, And then the other, sorry. No, I mean, and and that's, that's what I, that's what I'm seeing. That's, that's the vision that I'm seeing. I'm seeing that, you know, one of the biggest flaws in the first Wonder Woman movie was the idea that you presented this whole society of women that all seemed kind of awesome in their own way. And then you, and then you had Diana in the early 20th century, leave the mascara never to return. So they don't matter to the rest of the story. Um, and all and all you did was leave those characters behind. And 
The comics don't do that. The comics make Themyscira an important part of the mythos in the present day, that the Themyscarian politics matter, the, the lost tribes, the different, the Bon Amigdal, the ones in the Amazon, you know, that they, these, that there are other Wonder Woman-ish characters that come from those those different cultures and from those different tribes. I mean, it, again, from a diversity standpoint, you know, you're going to have uh, darker skinned Amazons, you're going to have um, South American Amazons, potentially Asian Amazons, you know, you, you have the, the ability to sort of really make uh, Amazon lore part of the third pillar, you know, to, you know, the Superman pillar, there's the Gotham pillar, and that could, could be the Themyscira pillar. And you know, uh, people have talked about how more recent, uh, more recent Wonder Woman comics or Wonder Woman family comics, uh, spe specifically dealing with Nubia, have talked about how trans women fit into the into the um, Amazon society. You know, there's just so many ways. I, I I don't know if you guys watched the show Why the Last Man, um, but you know that was a show that tried to really grapple with with the idea of female. Um, centric society um this could be better than that you know this could be um a real way of fleshing out and uh reseeding the universe with not just one wonder woman that's just the smurfette if you will you know ha having you know five wonder women of different kinds that we 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 understand what makes them different from diana and not to say that they it diminishes diana in any way but to say that there are other strong powerful superheroic women that could be that could have their stories told so so i see this being a way of uh, you know, building out that and building out potential characters that when we see them in, you know, 2025 or what, whatever, um, in the present day, that we're invested in their stories the same way uh, that, you know, generation of uh, young women and older women are invested in, in Wonder Woman's story. That, yeah, that's exactly what I'm hoping to see out of this. And then the other thing that kind of impacts how excited I am for this is really just in dissecting how James Gunn worded this that this is thousands of years before the Wonder Woman movies mm -hmm. okay well is that the Wonder Woman movies we've seen or is that the Wonder Woman movies we're going to be seeing in the future James because sure. I kind of want to know the status of the Gal Gadot Wonder Woman movies I'm sort of neutral towards Gal as Wonder Woman I'm okay if they recast I'm okay if they keep it based on them just going with the younger universe and the reboot mm -hmm. I think it kind of makes sense to me to recast but um, Matt, Agu Matt Aguiar from comicbook.com host of Comic Book Nation when he was on the Agents of Fandom podcast the other day he brought up a good point about how like wonder the first wonder woman was such a success gal gadot mm -hmm. comes with such a large fan base this isn't sure. just a vocal bot filled fan base like the snyderverse but mm -hmm. a very prominent fan base yeah. that gal gadot and a wonder very woman important brings. and a very important fan base you know i think that you know if you know, this is an, an unfortunate reality. You know, a lot of people talk about the sort of superhero trinity of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, but she's always gotten the short shrift when it comes to the importance. So the fact that there is a Superman movie, there is a Batman movie that we're about to talk about, but there's not a Wonder Woman movie. And yes, we could say that Wonder Woman 1984 was a poorly received and a misguided a bad, bad movie. However, Superman has had a bad movie as well. Batman has had many bad movies, a couple of bad movies. Um, 
the fact that the mere fact that a bad one woman movie happened shouldn't mean that they will never make another good one you know never not would never try to make another i don't movie. think they're never gonna try again yeah you know, like, I, I agree I think they are gonna try, do it at some point because like the yeah. first one was very well received and like people know they like the character and whatever i don't know if they just haven't figured out what they want to do with the character yet right so i so um, i think that i think it's smart of them and i mean i think the reasoning partly is they might be focusing on batman and superman more as we just had two wonder woman movies and superman hasn't had a movie in like 10 years so i understand where we got yeah. to him and then Batman, I'm not as sure because Batman does have another thing in this whole. It's a different universe, though, but we are getting Batman mm -hmm. right now. So I do think it would have made more sense to do Wonder Woman before Batman just because of that, maybe. But like, maybe it's equal. But yeah, Superman, I get why he's the person that. Yeah. But I, but I think that they're smart if that, if they haven't quite figured out yet what their vision for Wonder Woman is going to be, then you don't present the bad news without the good news, right? You don't say, all right, gals, gals out but we can't tell you who's in, um, you know, this is a placeholder in a way, because it's saying we care about the lore. We care about the, the Amazons and we care about the mythos. And when we decide what we're going to do with Wonder Woman, she's going to fit into that. Um, whether it's Gal coming back or whether it's a new actress that we have yet to cast because we, it's very difficult to cast Wonder Woman. I mean, it, as, as much as people want to knock Gal, I, I remember all the years of people trying to fan cast a Wonder Woman and all those fan casts being various degrees of trash. Um, you know, like we were actually able to get a good Wonder Woman, um, you know, within her acting limitations, I'll agree. But it's not going to be easy to just have someone follow uh, follow Gal's footsteps and and win everyone over. So, you know, this buys them time to present other Amazons present, um, you know, not have people forget about what it is that Wonder Woman represents. And, you know, if they decide ultimately that they want to return to Gal, that's fine. If they decide that they want to recast, that's fine too. But not having an Amazon project on the slate would have been horrible um, from a PR perspective. And announcing that they're done with Gal also would have been uh, horrible from a PR perspective. You know, because, you know, maybe she, maybe she can cameo in something, you know, maybe she can show up in an Aquaman movie or or somewhere else uh, until they figure out exactly how they want to, like, you know, move forward with the character. I do. I think I do agree that they're going to do other Wonder Woman movies and they're going to be set in the present day, I believe. But I, I just think that they, you know, they want to they want to continue to to tell stories in that space. And I think that if this is done well, if it does live up to the uh, the the lofty Game of Thrones standards, and then actually and everything that that represents, <laughs> everything that that, that uh, then then they'll they'll have a hit on their hands, I think. And uh, you know, Tumblr will be awash in gifts, <laughs> you know, of of all the all the various uh, Amazons getting shipped uh, left and right. So, um, you know, it'll, it'll definitely keep us occupied until they decide how to how to work out the, the Wonder Woman property. So I'm 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 very optimistic, but I'm cautiously optimistic as well, because that's a high bar to clear uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there. Um, that's my biggest question, basically, is is it precursor to gals wonder woman or is it precursor to a new wonder woman that we have yet to see um i do have to i uh i have a 
something coming up here for the rest of the evening. I got to go in about five to 10. I did want to make just a quick cameo. Um, oh. Tell me to F off if you don't want me uh, taking control of your uh, your rundown, but I'd love to get a Batman Brave and the Bold take. Well, that's next. We get out that, of is, <laughs> that is next up. And I was going to give you the floor to give your Batman Brave and the Bold take. Uh, so go for it. So I think to use a sports analogy, if you are, there are certain markets like LA, there are certain markets like New York that can house multiple teams in the mm -hmm. same week. And I think there are two comic book characters that can carry separate movie franchises. And I think they're Spider-Man and I think they're Batman. I think we can have two yes. separate popular Spider-Man. I think we can have two separate popular Batman. And what I love, 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 love about them deciding to make it Batman and Damian Wayne fresh off the fresh off the bat is the fact that Damian Wayne exists that means the bat family already exists yeah that means Oracle is out there that means Nightwing is already Nightwing that yeah. means Tim Drake is there that maybe the maybe the villain of this movie is Jason Todd we don't know, but it just means the, the Bat family is out here. And that gets me so excited because Dick Grayson as Nightwing is my favorite DC character. Up with Terry McGinnis as well as uh, Static, Virgil Hawkins. And so um, the fact that we're getting Waller and more Bat family makes me get excited about some future uh, Terry McGinnis as well. But uh, I just think the potential contrast of in the Elseworlds, we're mm -hmm. going to get the Batman Part 2, which probably is going to give us young dick grayson as robin um, see I, I don't know about that i i would actually if I, if it was up to me i would keep all the robin stuff out of the reeves and let and let all the robin stories be told in the connected universe because you need dick grayson to become nightwing and if he's not going to become nightwing then you're losing out on what that arc of that character is um i mentioned this on another podcast that i'll, I'll plug a little later um the, the, one of the interesting dynamics uh, in this Batman, uh, Damien, Damien Wayne story is the idea of the sons, right? The idea of Dick Grayson, uh, even though he's not his blood son, he's Batman's firstborn. He's his golden child. He's the one who made good, who Batman was able to sort of mold into this kind of um, balance between the bright heart and the hope. Uh, with the darkness, with the the loss and the pain, um, and you know he's in a lot of ways he's he's one of DC's um, shining stars. He went from a sidekick to uh, a, a top tier hero in his own right, and that is who, without acknowledging it all the time, that's who Damian Wayne is trying to live up to. Yes, he's Batman. Yes, he's Bruce Wayne's blood son. Yes, he's been trained by assassins his whole life. Yes, he's been groomed to take over and become this, this uh, you know, this force of nature, but he still has to deal with the big brother syndrome. He still has to deal with the fact that, like, he's not Dick Grayson. And and it kind of grinds his gears. It kind of pisses him off that, you know, he won't, it won't admit to it, but he's the little kid who's trying to tell the whole world how good he is and how great he is uh, better than the guy that everyone already knows is great. And, you know, having that, that dynamic, that father son with Dick and Bruce, and also having that father son with Bruce and Damien, um, I'm very interested in seeing, and of course, the other Robins, right? They're also brothers, right? They're also, um, 
Bruce's Bruce's sons, the rest of the Bat family, or another in other ways, there's cousin, the cousins, and the so you know, there it's a family. It is it is very much the the family dynamic, and it's a lot of found family. But you know, they're they're bound by most of them are bound by loss. They're bound by pain, and they're bound by you know this quest to sort of help Bruce cope with with the loss. I mean, I think that who they cast for Alfred is, is, is almost imp as important as who they cast for, for everyone else, you know, because he's the, uh, he's the other authority. He's the other, uh, you know, dad figure that kind of helps bring it all together. I mean, like you said, this is a, this is a bat family story, but, it, but the entry point is the son is the, is Damian Wayne. And, uh, and the fact that he's being pulled in these, in this different direction of, you know, I just, I just re I just watched for the first time, actually the uh, animated um, movie, I forgot what it's called um, where, well, I think it's Batman versus Robin, you know, where it's basically justice versus vengeance you know, that the push and pull inside of Damien of, you know, being an instrument of vengeance versus being an instrument of justice. Um, I think that if they cast him right, you know, obviously you don't want to cast a true 10 year old, but, you know, he's got to be able to play 10 year, 10 years old and, you know, having a young person that, um, you know, maybe this is a little bit meta, but having a young person that looks at Batman as kind of like, yeah, you don't go far enough. Um, and having, you know, Bruce try to explain um, why, you know, you know, even though he's known as this dark knight, this dark character, there's there's still a little bit of hope in his story to, and seeing how that hope is reflected in the rest of the family, you know, can do wonders for differentiating this Batman story from what's happening in the Reevesverse. So yes, yes, and yes. Counterpoint before I get out of here. One or not before the counterpoint is um, agreed on all the Damian Wayne stuff and the D, like the main DCU universe. If chapter one of all doing all that different stuff with the Bat family um, have with Damian Wayne as the entry point, you get Dick Grayson as Nightwing, which is the best version of Dick Grayson right off the bat. Heck, maybe you even get some Dick Grayson as Batman in there somewhere along the way. Maybe. Um, you can build to Teen Titan stuff. You can build to Young mm -hmm. Justice stuff. So many different great ways you can go about that. Have uh, Barbara as Batgirl. Have her as Oracle. Um, I'm assuming it'll likely be Oracle. The fact that just that we're already here with Damien. Um, who knows what happened with Jason at this point in their story, etc. The reason I think it's why not both is, I mean, you know this from based on having tallying up all the racial draft points. Now, if somebody were to have, we know Batman, everybody gets a Batman. It's basically the Wayne Gretzky <laughs> rule from hockey drafts, right? Like you just can't pick Wayne Gretzky because whoever gets the first pick wins. So it's like everybody gets a Wayne Gretzky. Um, and so with everybody getting a Batman here, you basically could have just chosen to not draft anyone outside of the Bat family until they were all gone from the very get-go of the draft. And if mm -hmm. you would have done that, you probably would be in first place in this draft right now. There's just such a huge wealth of Batman and Bat family stories that I love that they're starting with Damian Wayne in the in and the adult Bat family in this universe. Mm -hmm. But I think there are still so many Dick Grayson Robin, Barbara Gordon Batgirl, earlier stories that can still be told in the Reeves universe. Fair. 
that are still distanced enough from yeah. the adult ones and the Damian Wayne ones where we can get both of those things. And I, I mean, maybe it's a yeah. bit of wanting my cake and eating it too. Cause I do love the character of Dick Grayson so much. I just, I want my dick, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I, I guess I, I want those because, Robin stories too. because I imagine that the Reeves verse is, is going to be a, a just a trilogy. Um, I don't want them to leave. I don't want them to leave meat on the bone. I don't want them to say mm -hmm. like, these are storylines that, that are not going to be picked up. Um, so I, you know, keeping it, keeping it tight, keeping it focused on, you know, we still, we're still going to have Catwoman, you know, we're still going to have like the penguin stuff that happens in the, in the series. Um, you know, but, but I think that when we get the third Batman movie, I think that's going to be the end of the Reeves verse. And for that reason, I'd rather them start telling those other Batman stories. And if they need to flash back, they can do that. They can always do a young, um, you know, a Teen Titans uh, from five years before, you know, when when sure. Dick Grayson was a, was a wee lad, you know. Um, so, I mean, that's just kind of how how I sort of see it playing out. There's so many tentacles in the Bat family story they go to so many different places and they overlap with so many other characters that since we already have a connected universe we might as well let all that connective tissue uh be part of the connected universe rather than the elseworlds universe uh julie i feel like we've let we've left you out of the discussion uh what are your thoughts about sort of like this overarching batman problem thank you for joining us tj uh you know, oh, we'll, TJ's we'll... yeah, TJ's uh, out. <laughs> I don't really have strong feelings on this. Really, like again, like I mean, if we could do two Spider-Man, Spider-Man things, although one is animated and that right now, and that's like a clear difference. And this Batman's not going to be. I think we can do two Batman things. Um, I am worried it's going to confuse people. Hopefully, it will make it so it won't. Do we know what order this one's coming out in? I think we don't. I think that they're they've been very uh kind of you know uh, cagey. I think they've been cagey on like you know we know that the Superman uh is going to be the first one and and weirdly enough the the Batman Part Two which is going to be the Earth Worlds coming out in the same year. Um, my guess is that they're going to wait a little bit before they do this um until they can cast a uh, cast someone uh, cast you know everyone. And and I think that I think that what's going to differentiate it is that you're gonna you're gonna get a slightly older actor and you're going to get all those other young actors to be part of the Bat family and there'll be you know younger solo Batman in the in the Else Worlds with a sort of darker tone and then maybe a slightly brighter toned um, but definitely more fleshed out uh, world world of batman and and his various uh you know adoptive kids um in and that's and that will be how people will know that uh that these are different okay makes sense yeah i mean i guess we'll see how it plays out like i don't like again i'm just like yeah i'm in, this is interesting we'll see how it plays out that's kind of how i feel about the whole slate i've been saying that. Mm -hmm. now i i have to ask like so are there any characters that you feel like if they were introduced specifically in this project and confirmed for this project that would heavily increase your excitement level well the the batman the Brave mm -hmm. Wolf. i don't really know much about the source material i know there's like a specific story about it, so i don't know that story very well so it's like i don't 
know if I should say because well I think that they're going I mean I think that a lot of time you know I don't we know can what the story's about I, I mean, I think that one of the things that was happening in the uh, discussions, uh, particularly on social media, is, uh, you know, after James Gunn made his announcement, uh, both James Gunn and DC uh, tweeted out a lot of comic books that inspire the stories that are going to be told in this phase. And a lot of people, I think, uh, maybe slightly misguided, uh, believe that that means that there's going to be direct adaptations of these stories. I mean, I think that, you know, loosely such, I mean, I think it's going to be comparable to Marvel that, you know, the, that it, it remains uh, close to the spirit of those stories, but they reserve the right to, um, you know. Okay. Yes. I don't know who's in Raven the Bold, so I don't know who I want to show up is what I'm saying. Okay. Fair enough. Um, like I said, I mean, I mean, but yeah, like, um, yeah, I don't know who I'd want to show up. There's characters who, if they showed up in DC, this new, the DC new is what I'm going to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be more excited for any project they would appear in if we know, but I don't know about this one specifically because I don't want to like go against the story or anything because I don't want to make people mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> it is okay to make people mad. Like, for instance, I think that nothing has been announced with Harley Quinn in it, for instance, but right. they better bring back, um, you know, Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. That's how I feel too. You know, um, but like, again, I was thinking maybe Waller or something she could appear in, but I feel like it's going to be a movie, but I don't know what movie she would appear in yet of these. Maybe it won't be any of them. Maybe it'll be like a post credits, but yeah, like, I mean, I'm all kind of okay with not having her right now because we, we did have three movies and that's more than most of the other people in the DC, the other DC universe. Yeah. So it's okay. Um, but yeah, like there were more ones. Like I wanted more Black Canary and Huntress. Yes. Um, I mean, I, I can't. Like and the uh, Rack Hatcher too as well. I like her. Yeah, I could see. I mean, I that's a character I could definitely see showing up in Waller. Um, I think, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's who I kind of like the most of who I've seen. Of, out of who hasn't shown up, I want to see Poison Ivy. I want to see yeah. Zatanna and Constantine probably as well. Um, more of the Batman roads, like Scarecrow would be fun. And like Scarecrow hasn't been in a live action movie yet, has he? Uh, you said Scarecrow? Yeah. Well, he was in Batman Begins. Oh yeah, he was. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. um, and and he showed like up in the other pretty, two, but but he was the main villain for Batman, Batman Begins. Um, okay. but um, it be a Penguin in the most recent Batman thing, so not him again, maybe. But yeah. Yeah, but I think that I would no. like to see a Riddler more comic accurate <laughs> like i usually don't complain about this but like i, I like paul dano's riddler um but i would like to see a riddler that's a little bit more like ridiculous and conniving at some point for maybe. sure and i feel like this universe would be the place for it obviously not right away because i don't want to like t- we're already right. having a new battle we don't need the same villains we don't need that i, no, I can for sure i'm just saying um that would be fun yeah but we have to establish that all these villains exist in the universe yeah. is key um and yeah, um, I, but like, I mean, for me, for me, it's, it's Batgirl, um, particularly because yeah, I don't of know the which fact, Batgirl do you want to see? Well, the, here's the thing we had there, they, they're never going to escape the specter of the fact that there was a Batgirl movie that got canceled, you know, yeah, like they should have just released that. And even if they, even if it was as bad as they said, which the press screens apparently were like, yeah, it was okay. Um, it yeah, I think it was less. 
I think it was less about how bad the movie was and more yeah. about the fact that they still would have to pay more money to finish it. Um, to I guess, yeah, but like, it's just as, the, the, not releasing it is worse than anything that they could have done by releasing it. Cause now this tarnished their branding more. There's even more distrust in the DC brand now. And same with Scoob, but like that's Scoob. That's not like a huge exactly. thing. Sorry. I mean, I know Scooby Doo yeah. is this huge story and the Velma thing is on right now. And that's a big controversy. So it, people clearly do care about that franchise, but yeah. Yeah. But I, but I, but I, but I, I do, I mean, what I'm, what I want to say is I'm inclined to agree that a bad Batgirl project does more damage coming out than not coming out. That if, you know, We've seen with other properties that it's hard, like Green Lantern, for instance, you know, there was a bad Green Lantern movie and it made them gun shy about doing more Green Lantern. Well, the whole thing is with Batgirl, I mean, I know she's not Batman, but she definitely connects to Batman. People have seen Batgirl on screen before in what's it called? And I mean, I know that movie wasn't received either Batman and Robin. Um, yes. But, like, that's one I think you can get more chances with. Like, it's, I'm not going to say it's like Superman or Batman level on that, but like, I think you could get away with that because it's a, no, a more known thing like green lantern still not as well known by the public like, they've heard of him that's it maybe i, I, I like, just think that somewhere between batman's or random someone like green and then green lantern and then there's like the guardians of the galaxy and marvel for example that's a whole nother thing you get one shot with that um yeah that's an example um I just, but yeah I, that... I don't know i just don't think it was as from what i've been hearing people who had did see it, it wasn't as bad as that one guy just said and like i'm just like I feel like the I don't know the brand damage is like really I don't know how it would go. I think I think that if they announced that that Batgirl was going to be in this movie, I think or Barbara Gordon, for instance, I think that that would go a long way to um you know making people feel a little bit better about yeah. This people, yeah I, I think I'm gonna say I want to see her in that for that reason with the same actress who did the the Batgirl movie who got those Jordan. That would be a slam dunk if they could if they could do that. Because it's not like they're erasing her continuity because there is no continuity with her now. Right. They may as well keep her. Unless they, I don't know. She's not that old, is she? She's like pretty young. So mid-20s, I want to say. Leslie Grace. Um... Sorry. Oh my God. Leslie Jordan's a different guy. He died. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, people are talking about him not showing, not them not paying tribute to the Grammys on Twitter right now. This recording, this is the Grammys are happening. And so that's why I said Leslie Jordan. I meant Leslie Grace. Okay, so she's 28. Uh-huh. So she's yeah. not like, I I feel like they might want to pick someone a little younger, like early twenties, even late. But she 20s. she can play younger. I think she's she, she's young looking. She doesn't look um, that old, so it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Laura 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 Harrier was twenty eight, and she played a high schooler in Spider Man Homecoming. Um, I like, mean, yeah, I could say like I mean, I don't know. I'm not one to talk because I'm like one that could play prior high school when I'm twenty six. <laughs> yeah. Or even I, if they I mean, wanted to, even great. If, I mean, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, an, another thing that they could do, and I, I, you know, obviously you don't want to step on Matt Reeves's toes, but like, wow. if you wanted to have her play Barbara Gordon in that universe, I mean, you already have a, um, you know, an African-American um, uh, Commissioner Gordon in that universe, like, you know, they they could have her her show up there if they if they wanted to go that route but either way i think that it's important for them to say we don't have an issue with batgirl existing and batgirl being in this universe and here's why why we're going to make it right somewhere down the line with a with a another batgirl project but in the meanwhile this is her this is our our batgirl and she's going to 
uh, you know, move forward in the universe. That would be nice. Um, and again, the other thing is that they've talked about how they want to do animated projects and have the animated projects uh, tie in to uh, tie into the live action. Maybe they do a, a animated Batgirl project and have and have them get get her story in that way. So, you know, fingers crossed in that respect. Um, now, this project, um, I think this project has the potential to be a home run for DC, but it all hinges on them casting correctly. Uh, this is Booster Gold. Do you have a lot of uh, connection I have no to Booster Gold? To this. I found out it's a, he's from the future and something, and that's all I know with this. That's it. People are saying, when I was saying, when I was criticizing them for not, or not criticizing, but like personal, personal disappointment, there's not enough weird stuff. People were pointing to this as a weirder thing, and I'm like, okay, so yeah, I wouldn't say that he's weird. I just think he's he's a character that definitely has a cult following, you know, because you know he's a little bit of a goofball. He's a little bit of a um like a con man, um you know, because he's pretending to be a superhero, but he's really just someone from the future with futuristic technology, um, and I think that. A lot of people like the character. He's he's got a, like I said, he's got a cult following. Not necessarily as a solo character, but as a character that shows up in other stuff. And I think that you know a TV show, a comedic TV show, could really work with him. But they just gotta nail the casting. They gotta find a guy that you want to root for, despite him being you know kind of a goofball and kind of uh, not completely inept, but a little bit inept. Um, you know, and there are actors out there that can pull that off with that sort of inherent likability. But then there are actors who who think that they can pull it off, but they're actually super annoying. Um, the hope is that they won't go in the latter category and they're more on the former category. Um, obviously, in Peacemaker, you had, you know, John Cena, who was able to really take a character that in a lot of other hands, you know, with a lot of different other castings would not have worked and, and they were able to make it work. Um, so to that end, if they were able to do it with a character like Peacemaker, the hope is they, they know what they're doing as far as casting Booster Gold. And I think, and again, I think if they nail it, the casting, I think that this is a show that people could really love. It could be an offbeat, uh, comedic take on the superhero um, story. And, you know, again, give a lot of uh, cameo crossover options. Um, obviously, I don't know to what extent you were a fan of the CW. Um, I know that there were um, some Berlanti projects that were in development. I saw a lot of that. I saw some of, like, The Flash, especially the earlier seasons. That's mm -hmm. kind of it. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. On the CW. But yeah, to the extent that the CW had that kind of like uh, more comedic, light, lighter tone, uh, that's that's you know, Booster Gold is very much of a piece with that kind of tone. And yeah. you know, if you want to win over some of that fan base, uh, I, I think the Booster Gold is is definitely one of the characters that you might use to do that. And that's a movie, right? No, it's a show. Okay. Yeah. So you know, that being an HBO Max series. Um, I, I could I could definitely can see how it could work and how it could, um, you know, succeed and seed that character to be the kind of one that shows up. And, um, you know, I, I have made no secret about not being the biggest fan of uh, the 
actor who plays Shazam, even if I haven't did enjoy the first Shazam movie, I think that this could be better than he could be better than Shazam. I feel like he was like Zachary Levi was the weak part of Shazam one for me, just because he was so different from the way Asher Angel was playing the character. And I think Asher Angel was the better one of the two in that role. So yeah, that's just how I felt with it. Um, hopefully I like this one better, but again, this new one, but then Booster Gold maybe will like kind of take that role over. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So uh, th- you know, to me, that's an example of where like I really like Shazam, but if they had cast an even better uh and more likable actor as Shazam, then I would have loved it. Um so Yeah, like yeah, it was. I felt like it was jarring to see him like suddenly switch over to Zachary Levi, and then he was like acting so different, and it just stuck out in a bad way for me. And other than that, I think I would I agree with you. I think I would have really loved the movie if someone who was like they matched each other better in terms of acting. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I I know this is going to sound harsh, but like, you know, Zachary Levi's not that charismatic. You know, like he's he's fine. You know, but he's not, you know, he's not a movie star to me. Um, and and I think you want a movie star in a Shazam. Um, obviously, you know, Booster Gold is it is gonna be a TV show, but he's probably gonna be a character that um that shows up in movies. I would say that while not the exact type that we're looking for, in the family of like the young Paul Rudd, you know, that kind of like that kind of like inherent like ability despite himself. You know, if you can find an actor that that can that can carry some of that, like you know, Ant Man energy um, for Booster Gold, I think that that could really work. You know. Now, this next project, I'm going to uh, ask and assume that you haven't read it, but uh, Supergirl: Woman of Tomorrow. Haven't read it. I know a bit about Supergirl, like not much. Okay. Um, I, it's a high recommend for me. This is, I think it was like an eight issue run. Um, and you could probably find all eight issues on the, uh, DC universe, uh, streaming app. I have Um, access to that, so that's good. Yeah. And and what I really like about this story, but I like the story, but it does give me reservations about the movie, uh, is that this is a different spin on Supergirl. Um, a lot of the other properties of Supergirl, a lot of the other incarnations of Supergirl have focused on the coming of age aspect of her, um, you know, her being a girl, a teenager, um, and having, you know, the, the powers of Superman and in a lot of ways more powerful than Superman. But, you know, whereas Superman came to Earth as a child, you know, she comes to Earth I'm mean, sorry. Superman comes to Earth as a baby. She came to Earth as as as, a, as an older uh, child that remembers what it was like to be on Krypton. And a lot of her story is that you know she's not Superman. She's going about it a different kind of way. But she's a kid. Um, with what with what they do to sort of subvert that in the Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, it starts off on her 21st birthday. Um, you know she's you know, by a lot of measures, a woman at that point, you know, she's, and she goes off on this um, kind of almost like a spring break-esque, you know, going off to find herself. And in the course of that, uh, gets pulled into an adventure and pulled into a quest where she helps a a younger uh, character kind of avenge 
uh, avenge her, her father's death. And in the course of that adventure, uh, finds her own way to heroism. It's a much more cosmic story. It's a much less grounded on earth story. It's not, you know, it's not, not really an earth in that. I mean, obviously her reputation precedes her as, as Supergirl and as, um, you know, part of the Superman mythos, but she find you know, to a certain extent, and in a lot of the story, she doesn't have her same level of superpowers, and she has to use her wit and her grit. And you know, it's there's a, there's almost Western elements. I wouldn't say it's it's, I wouldn't say it's exactly like the Mandalorian, you know, in 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 terms of structure. But there's a lot of that sort of older um, person, younger person dynamic, where you know she's the the almost like you know in the Western veil of like the 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 world worldly uh badass and then the younger uh person that doesn't really know how things work learning about it through being protected by this more powerful person you know i think that it's a different spin on supergirl from what we've seen before and i think that um i think it worked really well for people who already know about what supergirl is supposed to be as a subversion of that but but in terms of an introduction to Supergirl, to people who don't really know the character, that one makes it a little bit of a head scratcher um, as 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 the way of meeting Supergirl. I think it will be will work in terms of distinguishing between what Superman's doing in his stories and you know what she's going to be doing in her story. Um, but I but I do wonder as far as sort of like from an establishing the character establishing the character standpoint. You know, like I said, it's it's a subversion of what you would already think Supergirl would be. But if you don't have that baseline of what you think Supergirl should be, then this is going to be how you're introduced to the character. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm going to keep an open mind. Because again, I don't know this kind of Supergirl as well, but that's fine. I'm, in, I'm up for something new. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the beauty of that is that... Um, Casting is always important, but I think that given that this character is going to show a lot more range than than you might one might ordinarily expect, I think that they're, they're going to have um, a fair, um, fairly easier job of of finding an actress who wants to encompass a little bit more um, range than than just the sort of sunshine and hope and you know bright days that a lot of people kind of you know for instance like if you if you did watch the CW show Melissa Benoist even though she did a good job you know she was she was in a certain vein of a certain uh, box and if if they were ca trying to cast someone to do that um that would put whoever the the actress that they cast um you know uh, she she'd be she'd have much more of a comparison that she'd have to contend with, given that this character is much more complex in this story than I think that's a meteor role for an actress that's in the right age range. You know, it's almost like, you know, I've seen I've I haven't seen enough of Euphoria to make to make the the true connection. You know, but you know, Euphoria shows uh, people you know, teens that are not doing your basic teen drama stuff. Um, to, to to say the least. And I think that actors, uh, particularly young ones who want to stretch their legs a bit, uh, might gravitate to uh, gravitate to the Supergirl role 
through this lens, through this story, uh, much more than they would gravitate to a traditional Supergirl story. So, cautiously optimistic again. <laughs> and this brings us to the final project uh, that was announced for the slate, uh, the horror-based uh, story that is Swamp Thing. Now, are you a big Swamp Thing person? No, I've heard of it. I haven't read anything. Yeah, I've, you know, somewhat somewhat familiar with Swamp Thing. I've read a few stories. Um, I've seen uh, some of the early Swamp Thing movies. I actually didn't watch the show from a couple years back, but I heard it was very good. Um, I, I think that this is a story that's been told before and it can probably be told very well, especially in, in the horror vein um, as a darker movie. Um, I'm not particularly interested in, in it as a four corner standalone story, but I do think that this is how we're going to be introduced to the darker, uh, more supernatural, more occult aspect of the DC universe. I think that characters like uh, John Constantine, like Satana, like uh, you know Jason Blood, I think that through Swamp Thing, you're going to sort of get those entry points for potentially somewhere down the line of Justice League Dark. Um, but, but like I said, just the occult storytelling, the horror, um, the horror world, I, I think that that's the more intriguing aspect of a Swamp Thing movie. I, uh, the rumors are that James Mangold is going to be involved in this, um, and I think he's a top-notch filmmaker. So um, I'm in. While the story itself isn't, um, you know, jazzing me up, the all the things around the story are leading it to you know a higher level of enthusiasm for me. Now, you know. Backing, backing up those questions, if any of those characters that you've mentioned before uh, play a role in the story, would that increase your excitement level? Yeah, I mean, it's like, this is actually one of the ones I'm kind of more interested in because it's one that's actually going to maybe break normal tone. I mean, DC is like, there's not like a normal, but you know, there's like a normal superhero tone that you sure. usually fit in. And this one has maybe the most potential to go um, off from that. Like, again, like the Paradise Lost show, I think this is the movie that maybe has the most potential to bring in people who aren't normally comic fans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing about, like, you know, like I said before, they've they've done Swamp Thing movies in the past, and they haven't been particularly comic booky. You know, they've been focusing more on the monster aspect, on the, you know, the love story between, you know, man-turned-monster and, and uh, you know, all the pathos involved in that. Um, plus the, you know, the gore and the horror and, and that kind of stuff. I think that, you know, I think that, like you said, it could attract an audience that's not looking for a comic book story, but is looking for something that's, you know, that's a little bit grim and a little bit, um, you know, entertaining in a different kind of way. So uh, to that end, I still don't, I don't give it like billion dollar upside like some of these other movies. But No, um, I'm not going to. But I also think maybe it might be like a slower budget one. That's just my gut feeling. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Um, I don't know why. I just feel like this is like, I don't know. I guess because I'm picturing old monster movie style for this, like mm -hmm. almost like Marvel's Werewolf by Night. Yeah. I don't know why. They could do something like that with this. For sure. I mean, maybe not black, obviously not black and white. But no. yeah, I mean, in that same... You know, even and even darker, honestly, than Werewolf by Night. But uh, you know, Werewolf by Night was kind of Marvel's foray into like the horror vein. 
um i could i can definitely see them getting even darker because it's still warner, warner brothers after all um but actually this does raise an interesting um argument of the the five movie projects um which ones do you think are are most likely to you know like even superman legacy i suppose we should what be... are the five movie projects there's superman batman supergirl swamp thing and what's the other one the authority the authority oh, yeah, that's a that's a movie okay um yeah. what's the question so the question is um other than superman which we would f fully expect the expectations for that movie to be in the billion dollar range i mean i suppose the same with batman brave and bold right um those those movies are both probably if they don't gross a billion dollars or close to it um would be looked at as 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 failures um what are you anticipating for those other three projects that are uh much more unproven and much more um with not a lot of track record of you know of of uh high-end success super kind of on because i think because they're doing a different take on this character that a lot of people are thinking they that aren't used to and she is kind of more of a middle level one so some people do actually know who she is so that one could turn people off. But again, I think I have hope for all these projects. Swamp Thing, I think, will have a smaller budget and do well based on that smaller budget. But mm -hmm. again, it's a horror one, which means some people are definitely going to be turned off of it. But I think if they can get horror fans and they'll do well. The Authority has, like... I feel like the Authority has, like, high ceiling, low floor. Because they could this could turn into another, like, Guardian-style thing where they can turn, like, pop it or anything. It could be another, like... Well, like, worse than Eternals, because Eternals, mm -hmm. they said the marbling and the DC name, even after all that, I'd, even after all this, even if the Authority's one of the later ones, I don't know if it's going to be able to get, like, such a good, the DC name, I don't know how they're going to do it to make it, like, a really strong brand, that strong, mm -hmm. back then. and so, yeah, I think, but I think it could do well, I don't really know much about it, so I can't say. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I, I, I think that that's a, a great example of a project that like is going to benefit from if there's positivity around the Superman movie. You know, I think if the Superman uh, movie, I think if the Superman movie does well and people, you know, believe that they're on the right track, they'll be open to what the authority. Yeah, uh, I think be. that one for that. I think though for DC right now, I don't know how they're going to change this. It's going to take a long time to change it. I don't know who it will be where it needs to be at that point to be like this but like people like do d it's like a lot of people have a subscription to marvel and do dc a la carte right and obviously <laughs> that's kind of where i am but a lot of people are too like a lot of people see the marvel logo and be like yeah that's a marvel thing i gotta see it it's oh it's marvel yeah it'll probably be pretty good and then dc it's like they, they it lives or dies on the specific marketing yeah so i think the authority is gonna be one of those projects that people don't know what that is um and then that if if that's the case, and and that's what I'm saying, I think that DC wants to be in that place where Marvel is, where they yeah, but it's gonna take goodwill. a long time because remember, people are it takes so long when the perception is negative or like mixed on something, it takes so long to go back to positive. Like yeah, video game thing right now, the first good finally a good video game adaptation. Mm -hmm. It's gonna take so long. We're gonna have a lot of in best case scenario, we have a lot of finally a good DC movie. <laughs> Even with yeah. Marvel right now, people are kind of saying, okay, good, finally another good Marvel is getting a good project again. 
people are kind of saying that now, like not as much as the video game thing, but it's being said. Well, and, I also you know, think that what's happening that whole thing. Yeah, I also think that these 2023 movies are going to play a role because while those of us who are really plugged in, you know, know that that this it's a whole it's going to be a brand new day with uh, yeah. Superman Legacy, I think that for the mainstream fans, they're going to assume that it's still the same old DC. People so, are going to be so confused, especially when you tell them this Batman's not the other Batman. People are going to be like, ah, I literally, I mean, like Spider Man versus Spider Verse, you get it because one, one is, is animated. animated. Yeah. <laughs> true. True. Um, you know, but at least with at least with Tom Holland, it's like the kid Spidey. You know, like if you wanted to do a Spider Man movie with um Andrew Garfield, it would be like the forty year old Spidey and the twenty year old Spidey. Like you can you can sort you of kind do, of like you can even do Miles Morales as his own thing. That's not a cartoon because you could be like. The black spider. <laughs> I guess. Although maybe Batman won't be white in this. We didn't. They never guarantee he's white, so maybe he will look different. Oh, that will oh. help differentiate. Oh, that will create its own. I mean, listen, it's we're the racial draft like, podcast, maybe and we approve. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I'm not like that'll like be a very clear sign that yes, this is a different <laughs> Batman. And like, I'm just saying, like that that could be a way to help differentiate. <laughs> It, it, it could I mean, it, it very much could but yeah i'm very curious to see how they differentiate because like i don't think like we've I had said, two live action i don't think we've had two live action franchises of the same thing running at once because um, remember it, amazing spider-man ended before civil war came out sure yeah and, um, and i um, think they, yeah and we yeah because like I tj mean, was saying can do both but it hasn't happened yet yeah, I mean, I'm. I suppose you could. Oh, Joker! Like, like there was. A Joker yeah, I was gonna the- say. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. I suppose you could say that. Yeah, like that was with two the movies. Snyder cut. Right. Um. This is two movies. Batman as the lead. This is like this is unprecedented. I'm pretty sure. I mean, for sure, they're gonna have to make the suits look. Except different. for Pinocchio, but like Pinocchio is mm. not. Yeah, they're gonna have to make the suits look different for sure. Um, whoever they cast. I can see this. Batman in the DC universe being a lot sillier, just for like they could they could go full nineteen sixties with this. Oh man, I hope they don't do that. I hope they don't do that. I hope that they. I don't know. They could just like I'm trying to figure out how they're going to differentiate. There's different ways they can do it. They don't have to do that. Yeah. Well, first of all, first of all, I think they need to cast someone who's just as big of a movie star as Robert Pattinson. Um, Yes. Like if they, I don't know who I want, but yeah. Yeah, they can't skimp on the on the on the actor for Batman. Um, obviously, that will help because then you could do photo shoots with like Pattinson and the other guy, um, where it's like that's clearly Bruce Wayne from one movie and that's Bruce Wayne from a different movie. You know, just so you know, they're different, different actors doing different things. <laughs> like, um, and and yeah, I think the suits have to look different. I think that. You you know the gritty dark um, Reeves Batman suit that looks like armor um, versus uh, like tights in a costume um, with a long flowing cape. They'll they'll have to. They'll, that's a that's a thing that they'll have to do. Um, yeah, but it, I, I'm just really interested to see how this goes. 
Yes, as am I. This and is I'm one not- of the things I'm actually most interested in seeing how they make work. Like yeah. it, I'm so with this with these comic book universes on the screen. I'm like, how do they make such and such work or whatever? Like, and that's kind of one of the most exciting and interesting things. It's like right now with Marvel, it's the multiverse, and right now with DC, it's having like this soft reboot, and then we're gonna have two Batman and seven. But that's it's just interesting. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and it's, it's it's funny because you know. In a way, DC has had this multiverse, but they just haven't done it um, in their canon. They haven't said, you know, and have it matter that this is another universe where uh, these actors are doing it one way and this is another universe where these actors are doing it a different way. Um, even though what they've done traditionally, and, you know, uh, James Gunn complained about it, um, it's the idea that um, before there was a, an MCU, before there was a, a true connected universe, they would just make a project. Like, you know, almost like you said, the the subscription versus the a la carte. You know, the reason that audiences have, have looked at DC projects that way is that their projects have been, for the most part, um, you know, over the last 40 or so years, you know, have been like you get this one story with this one uh, character maybe you'll get a sequel you know but you'll get another story with another character and they're not part of the same universe they're just you know it's a batman story it's a superman story it's a green lantern story it's a jonah hex story it's a you know what i mean and and given that they that they've given um you know filmmakers and writers uh freedom to tell these self-contained stories the idea of cohesion between them has has kind of been trying to put a square peg in a round hole. And, you know, now uh, we're in a world where they're really trying to make it cohesive. And that's exciting. You know, this transition from uh, no cohesion, uh, bad cohesion, uh, to hopefully good cohesion. Yeah, like I want to see DC like fix its image and whatever. I just think it's going to be like a while because we're going to hear hey, finally a good DC movie for a while, I think. Especially if, like, any of these ones are bad this year, it's going to go right back to that, and it's going to suck if that happens, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously we've talked a lot on this show, and in general, about The Flash, and, you know, all the controversies around like that movie. Flash is going to be good. If it's If it's good, if it's great, let's say, if it's great, it's going to create a lot of 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 goodwill because it will also meant mean that the movie actually came out and we put it all behind us <laughs> you know, like that we can just talk about that the movie was good and we could you know move forward obviously yeah. I be able to be really good i feel like shazam's gonna be at least okay um i don't think it'll be a dis- um i don't know i don't think it'll be a disaster maybe it will be i don't know i think the Flash will be at least good, if not great. Blue Beetle, I don't know anything at all, so and I haven't, we haven't seen anything from it. That one could go either way, I guess, right now, I'm going to say, because we don't know. And Aquaman, I don't know, because I wasn't really a big fan of the first one, but people loved it. So, like, I mean, I like the scene in the trench, but then they wanted to make a whole movie of that. I'm like, you don't need to make a whole movie of that. You're taking the wrong lessons. But um, I kind of feel like Aquaman was a little bit of fool's gold, though, because hi. people, in, in the sense that, you know, people liked it um yeah it was it was all right but it made a ton of money yes and that's the fool's gold aspect of it because while it made a ton of money um most of it was not 
domestically. Most of it was overseas. And if the overseas markets, particularly China, are not as uh, robust as as they were before, you know, it could just on that on the strength of that alone, if, if it if it just does the same amount domestically that the first one did, but it just but the international audience doesn't show up to the same degree, then it's going to perform significantly less. And if it's not as good as the first, then that's going to exacerbate the problem because they're going to say, oh, it's not as good. And it didn't make as much money. This is a failure. And and it's going to create this bad narrative heading into next year, which doesn't have any superhero movies. Um, well, for DC, yeah. Well, sorry, yeah. Uh, any any DC movie. So that's going to be the lasting, you know, that's going to be the lasting impression that they're going to have to be, uh, spend all of 2024, uh, you know, correcting. Yeah, or keeping up the momentum if it's good. Well, I'm I mean, sure if if they be. get if they can if they can do three good movies in a row, then they can clearly carry the momentum throughout next year. But if they do, well, fingers crossed. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping for good things. But if um, they do two good movies and then Aquaman's not so good, then you know I think it could have a. a well, they could do effect. three and then Aquaman's not so good because Shazam could be good. True. I guess I feel like Shazam is probably uh, not going to be better than the first, but it could be as it, good as the first. It feels if Shazam and Blue Beetle feel less constant. Well, Blue Beetle, I'm not sure because I haven't seen it. Yet. They feel yeah. less. Con- well, Blue Beetle is actually like, isn't it like the first Latino superhero movie in a while or at all? Yes. That is kind of consequential, actually. Like yeah. Shazam's probably the least. But I think that the story. I think that the story itself in Blue Beetle is going to be a smaller story. I, yeah so I, I don't know but like it yeah but then again it's like the representation discussion so um but yeah shazam's one of the le- least consequential ones i would say whether it does right. well or not i mean i guess whether it does well or not could determine whether they want to bring him back or any of them back for another one or another movie in some place not another shazam necessarily um mm-hmm. or any of those characters but yeah like it's i don't know like shazam could yeah I don't know. like I feel like a good Flash movie, a great Aquaman movie could like help help the DC brand improve its image, but Shazam's not really going to do anything because the first one didn't really do anything either for it. Because it was like they sandwiched it between two big Marvel movies. Yeah. And in a way, this is this is being this is falling between Avatar and well, sorry, no, Ant-Man would have come out first. So this is going to be between uh, two big Marvel movies again. It's going to be between uh, Ant-Man and um well I mean, not as small a gap because captain marvel came out march like early march shazam was early april and then endgame was late april mm-hmm. so this within two months we got so that yeah. was kind of wild so i think shazam right. will have but more reading is, time then when's this is Mario? a stacked su- this is a stacked summer though you know like well, shazam's not-, not summer is it when's shazam shazam is i believe march oh, okay so like so yeah like I'm surprised a few weeks then Mario steals its thunder. I imagine. Like I like I want to say that there are big movies dropping the week before. Um, but yeah, summer is wildly stacked. Like I want some of the summer movies to. Sorry. That's all right. Um, yeah, I, I want to say like the second Scream is coming. Oh, it's not the second Scream, but the next Scream movie is coming out the week, the week after Shazam. Um, let's see. So Shazam is right. So in, here's here's what we're looking at for March. 
Uh, Creed 3, March 3rd. That's when Creed is, I was wondering. Yeah, Scream is the, sorry, Scream is the week before Shazam. So that's week uh, March 10th. Uh, Shazam is March 17th. March 24th is John Wick. Oh my um, god, Shaz- Shazam's coming out a week before John Wick? What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then sort of the next Marvel movie um, is, I think, in May, right? That's Who's Guardians. Yeah, Gar- yeah Mar- May 5th. Guardians. So, you know, a little bit more than a month. Well... Yeah, but like between Shazam and Guardians is John Wick and Mario. Yes, John Wick and Mario. So like not a and lot of I don't of... know what else, but I know it's John Wick and Mario. But yeah, there's yeah. too much coming out this summer. Like we have like three movies I want to see coming out on the same day in June. Mm-hmm. And yes. thank goodness that's not my birthday weekend, I have to say that. Um and then we have like we have two of like the two prime most prominent female-led movies of the year most discussed are coming out one week after the other and i'm not a fan of that mm-hmm. you know that's it and it's a lie and yeah and then there's like a ton of stuff coming bam 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 every week yeah. and it's wild there's a, and there's yeah across this think about this in june in june we're getting across the spider-verse then transformers then the flash and a Pixar movie in the same. Yeah, there's a, the, okay, there's three movies I want to see now. They're not all on the same level, obviously, mm-hmm. but there's a there's Flash, Pixar, and Wes Anderson, and I want to see all three of them. I don't know when I mm-hmm. I, I want to see all three of those. That's like me. That's a me yeah. problem. But yeah, and then <laughs> and then later in June you're getting Indiana Jones. You know, like so it's just a it's going to be a stacked summer. I don't. Yeah, and then uh, July has a few. I know. That, uh, yeah, I thought Indy was July. For no, it's June now, right? Okay. But there's like a couple of things in July. There's the Barbie Oppenheimer Day, and the next week is the Marvels. Right. Um, And Mission Impossible a week before that. Oh, yeah. I was wondering when that was. I knew there was another one. That was July. Yeah. It's there's, there's, it's going to be it's going to be a t- tough sledding for any of these movies trying to make a, a bunch of money. So in that vein, that's why I worry that even if that's why I worry that even if the Flash is, I mean, not the Flash, uh, if Shazam uh, 2 is is pretty good, it just might be a movie that gets lost in the shuffle. Whereas I think that they're going to put a lot of hype behind the Flash because they know how make or break. They know how make or break that movie is going to yeah. be for them. Um, yeah, I don't think Shazam's going to like attract a lot of people besides people who went to the first, as in comparison to the Flash, where it's like, Michael Keaton's in it, and I don't know if that's going to be like a big public thing. I feel like it, well, well, there's, it will. and they're they're getting a Super Bowl trailer. Uh, okay, next week. and you then know, you have yeah. like Marvel doing Guardians, and it's Guardians, mm-hmm. the Marvels, which has like three characters from like one was from WandaVision, which was huge, one was from another show, and then one was from another movie that made a billion dollars. So like that's like a trio there, and then yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with um, not Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, and the other ones, but yeah, so, like, the, a lot of the summer ones are coming, because there's a lot of, like, nostalgia ones, like, Mission Impossible is, like, a legacy, mm-hmm. and Indiana Jones is clearly nostalgia, and, like, so there's a lot, like, there's a lot of good angles for marketing a lot of these ones can have, and I don't know how Shazam can do that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see it. I don't see it for them, so. I mean, I probably will go see them when in theaters, and I don't oh, see I mean... every one in theaters. Like I haven't oh, no, seen. I'll, I'll definitely see it. I'll definitely see it. It's just that I don't have high hopes for it, uh, box office wise. And I think that they may treat like, that as a bit of a throwaway. I think they might say, you yeah, know, yeah, I we, feel like they will too, and that makes me sad. 
Yeah, I'm still I, bitter over Disney treating Strange World as a throwaway to the point where they didn't even have like a press screening for it. In, wow. In Toronto, they have like press screens for every single Disney thing, even up like a small thing, and nothing for Strange World, which was like part of the, one of their main studios. I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, I think. Oh, we didn't even talk about Cocaine Bear. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be like a big, another Megan, like another big internet one. I might actually see that. I don't know. The thing is, I worry because I'm worried I'm going to feel like sad for the bear. I bet too. You might. You might. I do. Yeah. That's why I don't want like seeing an animal yet. Mm. It me, I know it's like a joke, but like, I don't know. I don't want to be in there feeling sad for a bear. But, yeah. Um... Yeah. But you know, yeah. we've got a we've got a year of, 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 of both Marvel and DC movies. Um it's gonna be interesting to see how the you know the discourse what like right now DC, the the opinion of DC ha hasn't been this high in a long time, if ever, uh as far as DC films. Uh it's gonna but be But again, in terms of the general public, I still feel like it's an a la carte thing. Yeah. I mean so is everything to an extent, but with DC it's very they have high highs and low lows. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I, but you know, it's going to be interesting to see whether they can maintain this momentum um, as far as positivity yeah, from well, the audience. Sending best wishes to them on that. I hope it, <laughs> it works out for them. Well, like I yeah, like the two things here are pretty much the only like even for me, the two things with DC. I feel like I'm sure I'm seeing in theaters. Or Shazam and the Flash, like Blue, like Blue Beetle. I mean, I want to be able to go see it and everything. I just, I don't know what it's. I don't know if it's gonna be my thing or not because I don't think about it. But hopefully, and then Aquaman. I feel like unless there's something really big in that one, I probably won't end up seeing it because I was really like, I did not care at all. I was just sitting there like, that's just me though. Yeah, I I mean, I didn't love the first movie. It was fine, um, but. Um... I don't my 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 hopes are not high for that movie, but maybe they can. I just yeah, I don't really have any strong feelings about Aquaman. So. But the movie that I'm rooting the most for is Blue Beetle because, you know, because of the representation aspect for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's why I want to go see it. Like, if it looks good at all, I probably will go see it because of that. It's just I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if it's gonna be my thing. But yeah, like I'm here for the representation, and hopefully, it's like I don't know what Blue Beetle is about, so. I should maybe go check that out. That's on me. I know it's been coming out for a while, obviously. So I should. But yeah. But that's where I guess we should leave it. Um, yeah, thank you I for joining. <laughs> yeah, thank you for joining me, and thank you for uh, helping helping us uh, bounce ideas off each other. I know you don't have too too strong opinions about these projects, but hopefully, I I I, I you know kind of uh, brought your hype up even a slight tick. And um, it's nice to have a discussion about something comic book without being like forced to accept Kang as my new Lord and Savior because I feel like that's every discussion right now. And I'm like, I'm not like seriously, like I'm having issues with that. That's not a thing for this podcast, but like I'm. Well, I'm I would love to have you back that. for the uh, Quantum Mania discussion uh, after we both see it, because I'm sure you're going to have. Yeah, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to the movie. I'm just not looking forward to everyone like if Kang doesn't get enough screen time or whatever. Or, like, I'm 
they don't get anyone else. I only care about Kang. And I'm really not looking forward to that when we get to Loki's second season, because I know Kang's not in that one as much. And I actually care about, like, the main characters of that one, so it's like, I want to talk about the main characters. That shouldn't be a problem when I'm discussing a thing. So right. that's me. But yeah, so yeah, so something besides Kang is nice to talk about, even though I like Kang and like Jonathan Major, or I think I'm gonna enjoy Kang. I don't know. I haven't technically haven't seen him on the screen yet. <laughs> I read comics from him though, I think. But yeah, I'm gonna go. All right. Bye. Bye. And and that's where we'll I suppose we'll leave it, listeners. Uh, you know, we'll get back uh in part two. We'll come on back and talk about the actual draft for this week. But you know, we thought it was important to get into some of the DC talk. And uh hopefully you liked it. Uh until next time, all things are possible. <laughs>